Welcome to another episode of Less of 10. This is episode 39. Uh, pretty, pretty cool episode today. We have a very special guest who recently won a Less Than 10 Nanny Award for uh, Best CCP hey. Dev. So that's CCP Aurora. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I've, uh, I've been telling people that that was the most tolerable CCP Dev, partly because it feels <laughs> less like bragging and it generates much funnier reactions. 10 and Casper. Today, we're just going to kind of get, I'll just give guys a, a brief overview, but we're going to uh, have a very candid chat with CCP Aurora on how it feels to win a, a nanny. And then we're going to we're gonna cover kind of like some small gang basics uh, and do an informative session on, on kind of deep diving D-Scan. So we're going to talk about D-Scan, give you guys tips on how to use it, how, talk about how we use it. And then we're going to get into a listener question, which kind of revolves around uh getting like groups of new to small gang people like kind of wrangling them and making sure they have fun and succeed um so that's going to be the episode for today but first we'll just get right into kind of what we've been up to lately so uh i don't know ten you want to you want to lead us off uh sure um what i've been up to lately is uh mostly messing around with different mid slot configurations of the armor phantasm I think I've pretty much landed on point web scram dual prop um, because you can do whatever you want and no one can stop you. Um, and I've also been flying interceptors a lot uh, and actually starting recording myself again since I just upgraded my PC and my computer can now handle like recording myself and playing at the same time, which didn't used to be true. Um, so that's been pretty interesting. Unfortunately, some of the most interesting fights I have, I've forgotten to hit the record button for. Um, we had a really nice little scrap with uh, Thermo did with Esports Batopia the other day involving nightmares and various things. That was uh, It was really interesting, and I wish I could watch it back, but I didn't record it. It's always the case, but yeah. always miss the recordings on the good ones. How about you, Casper? Um, Drake's, actually. So there was some Reddit drama that popped off some things uh, last week, and Amelia and I were sitting there talking, and we're like, yo... Let's see if we can get all the small gang tryhards to like unite under one banner for one fight and see if we can get like 30 drakes just because meme drakes. And we ended up with like 103 people in fleet. I think actually CCP Aurora was there. And uh, 10, did you? I forgot if you were there. I was not, no. Faye was going to come and then he's like, hi, there's a lot of people and just kind of threw it off to his buddy and bailed on us. But literally, we had like 103 drakes, and we immediately regretted our decision to have that many in fleet. Yeah, I saw but the writing on the wall. It was, it was good fun. You know, we got volleyed pretty hard, and fun was had. And then just like small gang stuff, we've been doing a bunch of like armor hacks, and there's been a lot of debate like Tech 3 Logi versus Tech 2 Logi. And really what it comes down to is Tech 3 Logi is just flat out better. You get to bring your own links. You're a little bit more tanky, about the same rep power. but I've been trying to get into some Tech 2 Logi just for like some swag factors, some active tank scimitars, and some shield tank uh, Oniroses with armor reps. And it's actually pretty dope. So we've been having some fun with that, just kind of some solo Logi stuff. And Anger Games is starting up a new kind of 7v7 tournament. 
And so some practice for that. And that's about it. Sick, dude. Uh, new CCP Aurora, you got anything for us? Uh, yeah, I was I was in the Drake fleet with in Bosgren. It was uh, definitely interesting to see when you it was it was almost like a natural experiment when you put that many small gangers in a large fleet, they just start <laughs> behaving like null suckers. So like you th you think that they'd probably be able to kite out or something, but no, they're they're trailing. There's like this long trail of ships being left behind as the fleet's moving, just just like you'd see in any other other large fleet. So that That's was entertaining. Uh, other than that, I've been running. I've been trying to make Osprey Navies work for me. Uh, they're a fantastic ship, one of my favorite. Um, I roamed out to, ah, uh, shoot, what, what is it? It's toilet paper space. Uh, starts with a T. Tribute. Tribute, Over thank you. Over by like D7. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Their standing fleet is wild. We saw all sorts of weird <laughs> things, like a, a solo sacrilege camping, camping a bubble in between gates and stuff like that. Um, it was fun, uh, but we learned the hard way uh, to pay a bit more attention to the sniping materials that uh, deleted me from 200 kilometers. So that was, <laughs> that was unfortunate. Um, other than that, uh, I had a weird idea today about making uh, wind running uh, tornadoes work, but usually you fit eye stabs for mobility. But I was trying to wonder, I was wondering how much more potential could you get if you didn't have to fit eye stabs and you instead used a wobble dictor to get them into warp faster. Was was my weird idea. I haven't. I don't have an answer okay. on this yet, but I hmm. will. I will try to find out. That'd be interesting. Trying to find just a use for the the wobble that's like viable. I know I've seen lots of chatter on people like in discords talking about the wobbles and just trying like especially for small gang. But it is it's pretty challenging. But that'd be a cool use. Well, for me, uh, let's see. I was I lost my drogger hilariously. Um, I'll tell the story because it was there's some discord drama because it's pretty entertaining <laughs> So I can't remember who I was roaming with but there's like two or three of us and I tackled a Rorqual and I guess Dreadbomb had been watching it with a spy uh, So someone comboed me and was like yo just hold tackle on that thing. We're gonna we're gonna drop on it uh, So they so I so we did and then they dropped on it and then they immediately fragged me with like 50 nightmares uh in my blingy drogger so that was like that was pretty well, yeah, that's, what, that's what you it, get and then they came yeah in and you. yeah we, we found that <laughs> yeah, somewhat but, rude. <laughs> you know what it's like, like it? it's it's like the classic uh like nullsec fc like i was talking to some somebody that was just like had their alt there and then the fc of the fleet that's who people listen to so whatever um was he in a not, monitor i don't uh, even I remember i think there are any monitors but there were like 30 nightmares yeah, and they had, they had maledictions and dictors, and they like as soon as the the sino went up, I started burning off. But like maledictions just rammed. Um, so so that happened. So I I started building a new drog. So I'm gonna I had one of the same fit, which was like I run long point scram and then like lots of tank. But my new fit I'm gonna try as well is one of, is like a little more um, conventional, like they were before the buff with just an MJD, a long point, and then no plate and a single damage mod. Oh, um, like still still no nano, I've got a polyard. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a thicker retry, no scram with a boosh. Nice. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I've been grinding up my Pokvin standings because I'm a nerd and I think Pokvin is cool despite what everyone else says. So I'm almost at three now. So I'm like 2.5 or something like that. Um, 
And I, I roamed with Mac and Zalorb and Losek in a Magus, like a main box Magus, not a, yeah. not a backpack, uh, which was super fun because you got you get four mids in the Magus. You're it's so it's like kind of similar to a Drog, except you're you're using shitty drones instead of uh, Triglavian weapons. But it was really fun. I kind of just screened for them. They were in kiting boats, and I was in my Magus, and it was very fun. We had lots of fights in Losek. So in I'm gonna roam Losek more. What's that? Zalorb and his scepter that. Uh... Uh, Crusader. Crusader. No, he was flying a wolf, and Mac oh, was flying okay. a. Oh, what was it? The cloaky. Oh, the pacifier. He's been pacifier. rampaging yeah, yeah, across yeah, yeah, for yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Laser, <laughs> a laser pacifier. <laughs> yep. So that I think was, he, that was he's super looking fun. to get on the pacifier leaderboards, which are pretty easy to get on. Yeah. So it's cool. It's good. Good fights. Um, and then before we get into uh, our chat with CCP Aurora. Um, we just wanted to highlight another video, and that was a video from Three Tiers. He put out a video that'll be in the show notes, and we'll put it in Twitch chat right now. Um, and it is basically like a, a guide to solo PvP, like kind of picking fights and stuff like that. So give, make sure you guys give that a watch. Uh, it's, it's really good content. And uh, somebody was asking about skins, but... Uh, Oh, so that's... I'm gonna, we're gonna. I know that's different, but but we're gonna give out some skins right now. So there you All go. Right. Yeah, we just got another round of skins yeah. <laughs> from CCP um, since it's the uh, the Caracal this month. So you can all go small gang in your extremely fancy looking Caracals. So let's yeah, let's get into the, the CCP Aurora conversation here. Um, I mean, so congratulations, first like official congratulations on winning. A coveted nanny for most tolerable CCP dev. Most tolerable. <laughs> so why don't you just give us like a little intro? I'm sure everyone knows you, especially people who've been around the small gang community definitely uh, know you, and we'll get into why shortly. But why don't you just give a, a quick kind of, hey, how are you kind of thing? I'll try not to take up like half an hour of this because I've been playing Eve since uh, 2005. Um, I'm going to skip most of most of my early history because it's really boring. I spent a lot of time in drone lands, killing killing rats and making ships with a small corp uh, until we got pulled into Razor Alliance, which got pulled into the Fountain War in 2013-ish, with uh, goon, sided with Goons Against Test. Um, and I actually got FC experience leading a bunch of uh, Goonsworm people um, in, in that fight. And then... Kind of fast forward, I I felt like I didn't properly understand the game, um, and I restarted. I made a new character and pretended to be totally new, and wound up joining Brave. Uh, spent a lot of time with them uh, after the fail cascade in HGP. Uh, we kind of some of the the old dojo crews kind of slowly left, and I wanted to resurrect the program, so I wound up teaching a lot of classes, uh, teaching a lot of new people about the game. Uh, got pretty heavily into things at that point, wound up in all sorts of leadership channels, all of that sort of thing. Uh, and so I guess that's kind of where I was before uh, I was recruited by CCP. Uh, at the same time I was doing all of that sort of stuff, I was pulled into the Alliance tournament in 2018, 19. Oh man, my, my, my brain's totally broken at this point. It was 1816. And I wound up becoming the brave captain of the team at that point. A lot of the previous team had left. And so I became the Alliance tournament captain and I led us to two whole wins. If I remember correctly, what? it was either two or three. 
uh, it was something for, and it was pretty decent for a pretty new team of uh, a new player alliance. So I was happy with that. Uh, they've gone on to do really good things. Uh, BAP is probably doing a much better job than I was. So props to him. Uh, they did really well in the Alliance Open this year. And then I was recruited by CCP and invited on your talk show. And that is the highlight of my career. <laughs> nice. So just, what is it you actually do at CCP? So this is always a, an interesting question um, because I almost, I always pause like this at the start of answering it, uh, which makes me concerned that people will think I don't know what I do, uh, which isn't quite the case. It's just the fact that we do so many things. Um, so to put it quite simply, the community team of which I'm part of as a community developer, we're kind of like the bridge between the community and the company in terms of communication. So we do the final publishing, uh, the final leg of publishing in terms of getting stuff out for communication to the EVE community. Um, and then we do sentiment reporting and that sort of thing. So we kind of like listen to players, talk to them. We run the CSM. I've, uh, the partnership program is my initiative. So almost everything having to do with the, the company and working with players tends to go through my team. Um, but we'll, we'll come to CCP each week. We talk to all of the, the big wigs and we're like, these are all the things that people are talking about today. These are, you know, recent developments. This is what, you know, this, this group of people think, this is what this group of people think. Here's kind of the general sentiment about these things. And we just kind of go through a whole bunch of stuff like that to keep the company informed, so. So you're the one that tells Hilmar that small gangers are complaining about X. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose yes, if enough small gangers are complaining. But I mean, small yeah. gangers are always complaining, so the signal to noise ratio yeah. is pretty high on that one. Right. We've, we've got to we've learn to complain about the same thing like all at once. It, it has been pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I, I I tell the story frequently about how when we first started the podcast, Blood and I did a whole episode on complaining about caps and ram jags <laughs> and citadels and sinos and like literally. You know, a year and a half later, like we can't complain about any of those things now. So, no, there's some 10k acceptors <laughs> that we can still complain about. Yeah. Just say, I mean, you guys, again. you guys have a, you guys have got one of your own kind of like snuck into just the right position in CCP uh, with CCP Rise, who has touched most of those changes. I think that you worked on. So, uh, yeah, for sure. He was, he was my nanny contender. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So much love for Rise from the small gang community. So you kind of mentioned that you 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 got heavy into Nullsec um, back in the day, and then kind of got into Brave, and still got a, kind of got more into Nullsec and leading, but also brought in smaller groups and newer people, and and kind of small gang. So now that you're a CCP employee, what's like your preferred kind of play style? So I've uh, I've actually left Brave with my main character recently. Uh, Partly because with the ongoing Nullsec war, um, I was I enjoyed you know keeping up with that and that sort of thing. But I was just looking for a bit of a different play style than uh, the F1 fleets. Um, so while I'm while I still keep tabs on that and I still have you know characters in relevant locations and I'm following all of that because uh, it's good. It's just good for me to keep tabs on that stuff. The I've put my main character into a wormhole alliance. Um, that doesn't have a whole bunch of blues, uh, so three quarters of the galaxy is not unshootable for me. Respect. Um, 
and it and it leaves me so much it leaves me with so many more things that I can do because one of my favorite things in Brave was running uh, small small rooms so like 10 15 people it was almost like small gang except we were just like fully suicidal in random ships so it wasn't really to kite or anything it was just kitchen sink go die which i mean maybe maybe similar in some aspects still sort of small gang uh, but it's a bit different in terms of you know when you're thinking about actually surviving mm-hmm. that's that's rarely on my mind i usually assume that yeah. come back home if you plan on surviving, it definitely changes how you think about what you're fitting to your ship and what pod you're using. Um, and actually, that's one of the things I think Three Tiers talks about in that video we mentioned is like, what your goal is going out. Like, am I going out to like die gloriously, or am I going out to like feel super elite and kite people around and live? You know, and just knowing, you know, knowing which of those things you're doing it makes a very big difference to how you play. Yeah, uh, the nice thing about being suicidal in in game is that it, <laughs> is that it really broadens your your engagement profile because there's so many more things where you're like i don't have a hundred percent assurance that this will work but i'm going to take it anyway and we'll see what happens whereas if you're if you're in a super blingy pod and you like your goal is truly survival there there are things that at least the average person might not take as a risk so yeah super liberating about not really caring if you survive or not and you just throw yourself at everything and it's actually pretty fun we've just That's been like... figuring this out with silent company and just like all right tech to fit drakes or ospreys or whatever and just throw yourselves at people and it's pretty freaking fun yeah yeah, yeah. the the key to eve enjoyment comes for me comes from being able to do that also in expensive stuff and survive like that's where you really get to know like the like push your fit and your limit and your pod um, like that, that Draugr, for example, like I was in that fight with you, Casper, where you were also in a Draug and there was yep. like 12 Caracals that landed. And I was like, I'm the tankiest, I'm tankier than <laughs> Casper. So I just like baited them to shoot me. Knowing yeah, I was that, stoked. I definitely yeah. ran away like a pansy. Right, like stuff like that. It's, it's even if like, even if, well, in that case we did end up killing them. But um, in some cases, like even when the kill board doesn't show the, the battle because you lived and escaped. Um, it, it's like it's just really engaging and fun gameplay to see how long you can exist on crazy grids, right? Yeah. And like, sure. if they don't kill me, that's a win. That's a that's a hard win, especially when you're solo or duo or something like that, and you get blobbed super hard. Like, yeah, it's fun, but yeah, for sure. So let's get into some game change stuff because I mean, like you you joined CCP semi recently, but so let's go like since you've kind of become a CCP employee. Do you have a favorite and a least favorite uh, game change? Oh, since I've become a CCP employee, uh, that's that's throwing a wrench in the question. If if I have to give you a favorite gameplay change, uh, filaments are definitely up there. I think they were slightly before, if I remember correctly. Uh, my my memory for time is never the greatest thing, um, but I'd probably still have to give it to filaments anyway. And I think that some of the, some of the other changes I was I will admit to have been pretty nervous about the resistance uh, nerf. Um, just overall, uh, in terms of you know, is this going to make it even harder for me to to take some engagements that I otherwise could? That that sort of thought. But at the same time, I suppose some of that was unwarranted, and I give uh, CCP Rise uh, props on how that's worked out. It hasn't hit 
my my play style in any painful way. Um, I think we actually saw big effects of that in the tournament meta. Um, huge, actually. Very, huge. very big. Wait, the Lodgy just sort of falling off of, you know, being absolute uh, kill or lose kind of a position in the Alliance tournament. Um, that was, I, I think it's actually really healthy for the tournament scene because it means that you can allow that logistics that can be really powerful, but it's no longer the, you know, the king of the castle that has to be killed in order to take the take the rest of the thing down. Totally so. killed turtles also. So you don't actually have to worry about having that DPS number that you always have to make sure you surpass just in case you face a turtle. And so it allowed much, much more open like meta, just do some different things. Yeah, yeah. And and even on the, the smaller end, like I was I was doing a lot of faction warfare at the time. I've I've kind of I might have been in Brave, but I've roamed around and done just all sorts of random stuff throughout my career. I was doing a lot of solo faction warfare stuff, just fighting in plexes. And you know, that some of some of the concern there was that it would just further entrench like the the comet meta, which it's hard to say it really made a difference. It was already pretty entrenched at that point. Nothing much has changed. Uh, but and yeah, I suppose you know some of my some of my fears just because it was such a wide wide ranging impact didn't come to pass. And so I actually quite quite appreciate that change now. Yeah, I think it may have contributed a little bit to the polarized Nirvana pod thing Nirvana that's happening in low sec because. You know, it it reduces the penalty of being polarized essentially because you resist. You're not giving up as much of a resist. But yeah, Nirvana's in general and low sec are a thing. Yeah, Hikates have become incredibly scary when they land on you at zero. If you're in anything, you know, with with under ten thousand HP or whatever. Yeah. So. Anything. Yeah, under under twenty thousand <laughs> HP. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of the uh, Alliance Open that just happened, and how you know we were just talking about the meta, as you know, in your communications role, I know you're you're very involved in that, um, in making Thunderdome function and and all that. Um, but in your communications role, like, what what do you what do you think of how that went and how popular it was? And like, is there is there a reaction aside from I know CCP is committed to providing um, skin prizes for player-run tournaments. Yeah. But is there any is there any more to that response or that there you can is, talk about? Yeah, the the response to that in, internally was really wonderful. So, um, the the previous tournaments, uh, I can't. It's it's been it's been almost kind of a a path of discovery for me to kind of research how things went previously and to figure out, you know, what what was causing this to wear down, why did it eventually stop, um, and figure out, like, all right, so learnings from the past, how can we move forward and still do this sort of thing, um, which has been, you know, sort of a, a torch that I just kind of crafted out of my own hunk of branch that didn't exist and ran with. Uh, so I... I definitely stepped way outside of my my position in terms of uh, figuring out how Thunderdome worked, but I'm just an incredibly right. curious person. Um, yeah. So I kind of did some, I've, I've called it techno-archaeology, uh, and just blowing the dust off these really old systems, like, does this stuff still work? How does it work? All of that sort of thing. Um, but I've, 
I've basically got a full picture of how everything works. I've got a really deep understanding of uh, how to use it. I think that um, when Logibro left CCP, you know, there was some knowledge loss that made yeah. just continuing this sort of thing a bit more difficult. So I've kind of picked up uh, what he used to be able to do at this point. And so it's definitely giving us a lot more potential. Um, and I think we, yeah, we will definitely see more uh, in terms of tournaments. Nice. I, tournaments are always interesting for me because, um, well, like I, I, I have done, I have done a couple of lines tournaments back when I was in Noir. We were all, we were always famously terrible at them, but um, <laughs> now, like, tournament play is so far out of my reach because my, uh, I'm so busy with like my kids and and stuff like that, and I, my life is scheduled on a four on four off schedule for work, so I, I can never hard commit to, to like weekends. But I love tournaments. I love watching them, and they bring me uh, a lot of joy. And like, like I was at work, like streaming Twitch on my phone for the AO, for example. Like telling my, luckily, you know, I'm I'm the person in charge, so <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah, you go do that. Like, <laughs> you know, totally neglecting things to to check out AO, but but uh, you know, it's it's just so interesting. I really love what tournaments bring. Uh, the meta is so cool. Like, I'm really happy, even though I can't partake. I would love to. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it, it's just, it's really neat. So yeah, thank you for all the work you put into to that. And I saw, uh, I saw um, Bayart, it looks like Bayart J is in here. I think, I assume that's, that's Bay um, in Twitch chat. And I know he was heavily in, involved in that as well, right? So, and whoever else was, there's a bunch of you guys that, yeah, just thank you for the AO. Yeah, Art J yeah. was uh, the person kind of keeping it all together. So that was... He's, yeah. He was the, the head behind the project. I spent a lot of time talking to him about about that tournament. And, you know, as he, I'm sure he can uh, speak for the fact that, you know, it was kind of a, a, an adventure for both of us because some of it was like, we went from uh, the, the 5v5 scrims uh, where I had first dusted off the, the tournament tool, and I was like, all right, here's what we know, here's what we know it can do, here's what we know, what we know breaks it. So let's figure out what more we can do. And then Art J swooped in and was like, basically, you know, I want to run a full alliance tournament, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> seemed kind of insane at the time, but uh, I was I was insane enough to say, all right, let's give it a shot. You know, I, he got a, a talk from me at the beginning that was basically like, I can't promise, you know, exactly, exactly, uh, mm -hmm. the stability of the tool and all that sort of thing. But at this point, uh, yeah, best, best a, effort a only. Position. Like yeah. real talk to, to toot your horn for you. You went from a high, me and Gerald and Wild and a couple guys on a Google spreadsheet within like two months or well, four months from that point to running a full AT status Alliance Open. That's actually effing cool. So again, yeah. thank you for that. That was that's freaking awesome. I, I think was happy that's... to make it happen. It, I was, it was very satisfying to see it go, go well, and we definitely yeah. learned some things during the process. There were, there were really odd little issues that would crop up every now and then. Uh, but figure out workarounds, move forward. So. Yeah. I don't want as, to. Uh... As someone watching it, I would say like the technical side of it appeared. I know obviously that it doesn't always work perfectly, but for the most part, it went it's much more smoothly than I expected or imagined it could. And I wouldn't want to downplay the other things that you've done that are super cool, but I'm pretty sure the tournament uh, was was why you won a nanny. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm, like 
I hope Sorry, you enjoyed I, the partnership program, but I'm, I'm sure that most of your most of your uh, viewers don't care quite as much about that. Yeah, well, they're all entering this raffle for the skin, which somebody won who should DM us, hopefully. Um, Sweetikus but... in Twitch, so just get his Discord, na Discord name from Twitch, okay. and then, yeah. So, because um, the other stuff, you cool stuff you've done, I noticed you you stream quite a bit, right? Like, I saw you on, on Twitch one time going through, basically giving, like, a small gang primer to people, which was super cool. Yeah. It was, yeah, a, it was like... a sneaky small gang primer. Uh, it was originally, like, touted as, like, a taco, taco mm -hmm. class, but then I just yeah, you're started trying to bait milk to... that do enjoying small gang. That's what you're mm -hmm. doing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Love it. That's that's Very the cool. goal. How How is the partnership program going? Like, obviously, we signed up for it, and Feral's in the Discord and all that, um, but, like, from your side, is it... Is it as popular as you imagined? Less popular? More popular? Is it accomplishing what you were hoping for? Uh, as as a credit to my my predictive analytical skills, it seems to be right on track for what we what we expected um, in terms of you know number of participants and all of that sort of thing. Uh, the the people that get in are kind of carefully controlled, as you can probably see from the the bars we place on uh, the minimum requirements. Um, mm -hmm. Because we're just kind of aiming for the about the top twenty percent of content creators, which means a lot of, not not everybody gets in, but it's also not inaccessible. It's a thing that people can work towards. So just trying to strike that right balance, you know, we can tweak the numbers as as needed. But overall, I've been super happy with it. It's been really fun to get it, watch it launch. Um, I hope I hope that groups like you guys have found some value in it. Um, I've got some. Uh, fun news coming soon about additional things that we're adding to it so hopefully cool. yeah hopefully that'll be uh additionally well received um and it's in terms of you know the the goals for the project it's just it's like a a multi-dimensional win on on a whole bunch of different angles so in terms of we want to support content creators so that they grow and as they grow obviously we get benefit out of that uh by getting uh, more eyes on on eve content so it's a lot of a lot of the content we actually classify in terms of how good it is for uh, reactivations versus uh, getting new players a lot of twitch streams are just really great for reactivations um you know that we, we there's all sorts of fun fun little analytics like that i suppose uh, but hey if it brings people to the game, it keeps people in the game, brings people back to the game. It's great for everybody because it means more people to shoot. So that's, yeah. Sure. Are you, is there uh, any chance of you releasing that as like a, like the monthly economic report, but of like player retention or something? I I've, I don't know. I would find that interesting. Probably almost no one else would, but. <laughs> I, I, I think people would find that interesting. Uh, I, I, it would be some convincing for me to, uh, get people to make that public though. So. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm sure it gets into like, you know, business choices that are not supposed to be open. Well, speaking of the partnership program, Pando's in there and he just uh, raided us. So this guy what, has what the sexiest voice of all time, just saying. <laughs> it is really Thanks nice. for the raid and welcome people from Pando's stream. Uh, so if you're just joining us, just recap. We're a small gang podcast and we're joined by CCP Aurora today. So one thing that I can't imagine, like obviously we're all here talking about a video game live on Twitch 
um, and and dedicating time towards that. And we suffer from burnout. But like, how like how do you balance burnout when you go to work and and for eight, nine, ten, whatever hours a day? Probably like realistically, your job's probably seven days a week. Like even on weekends, I'm sure you're doing a lot. Um, how do you balance that and like not get burnt out? Like you're still playing. You just said you joined a wormhole corp recently. And people often criticize uh, CCP employees for not playing the game or playing the game less or playing the game not in the spotlight, right? I'm sure there's lots that just do that. So how do you not get burnt out? So it's it's kind of interesting. Um, there was, when I, when I first joined CCP, I was just kind of, I don't know, the, the move and everything, it was, it was exhausting. So my, my play dropped off for a little bit, but I definitely picked it up uh, in pretty quickly again. Uh, once they had settled in, and it's playing as as a player um, can actually be almost like rejuvenating. So I take a lot of a lot of joy in this job because it's something that I care about. So right. you know, I love Eve Online. The reason that we're all we're all here talking is because you know we probably like the game. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> and so when. You know, work work can be work can be you know busy, stressful, all of that sort of thing. It's a job, um, and when at the end of the day, like it's like, all right, I need to I need to reset, go do something, chill. I can actually just kind of load into Eve, and I create a clear separation between like my work persona as CCP Aurora and my in-game character as Catalia. So, you know, I. When when people sometimes work tries to sneak in when I'm playing Eve, uh, where players will be like, you know, God, I really wish CCP would do this, this, and this, and either I'll I'll joke about it and not properly reply, or I'll just you know if if I have to say anything, it'll be like, I'm CCP Aurora is not here. It's just yeah, so and partly because you know as as a player like. It's. I'm also not out to give an unfair advantage to the to the group of people that I fly with. So it's not yeah. like I'm taking uh, selective uh, suggestions. Silent companies recruiting. Now. If if you want to go down that lane. <laughs> uh, too funny. I was. Uh, I was actually. I had an offer. I think to to come join you guys in the in the hole for a bit for yeah. for a couple Welcome days anytime. to Rome. So I'd I'd be down for that. Do it. If you get yelled at, it's not my fault. But. Come on over. We got some actual tryhards, and then the rest of us just like meh. We have a four jump limit, so you don't have to try too hard. It's called a Casper unit. Four jumps is one Casper unit, and you're not allowed to go further than that from the hole to find a fight. It's really nice. Oh, that's nice. nice. Yeah. I mean, that's speaking of that, we we rolled a null static for probably six hours the other night, and it was just the worst luck. Um, we had a, we had a whole whaling fleet fleet ready to go of uh, Kiki's, and it just Thanks. Did not work out. This is why when people like, you know, like kind of rag on us for being space dads in Thera in Thermo, <laughs> like I don't mind because if I want to roll the hole, I just use a filament and like it's it's really not that much slower. Like it is a little bit. If you're hyper organized, you can roll NSSs pretty quickly. But like 15 minutes isn't bad because we can just shoot the shit and drink a beer in between timers. Or just go to Therahole and Rome. It's like we go yeah. we go so many Casper units deep. 
Nope. Uh, Odathera. And it's, yeah. I mean, you can come run with us too, Odathera, anytime. Any CCP employee, if you, if anyone at, at work <laughs> wonders about small gang. You're just trying you to get them? changes your way, sir. Nope. You want a Draugr nope. like range buff? Nope. No, I want them to take the Draugr range buff Actually away. Actually true. Actually true. But, but it's too strong. But um, yeah, just like to hang out in, in small gang. I know uh, CCP Rise has... Uh, he like taunts me that every so often he mentions that he wants to he wants to come out for a roam, just yeah. like a like I'm on a fishing line. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he still owes me a beer. I think he lives in my city somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I'm totally down for that. I, our yeah, time zones yeah. don't quite sync up, uh, <laughs> but I would I would be happy to roam. I've actually one of the things that I'm kind of looking forward to do since I'm not in the blue donut anymore was some MP, NPSI fleets. And I've told uh, Bombers Barn Spectre Fleet each that I was going to sneak into some of their fleets, which is, I am working on. Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, just finding random small green groups. So like you have the LFG channel. I don't, I don't know if I'll do it on my CCP account. I might make another Discord account to be like sneaky mm -hmm. about it. Just uh, see if I can they, find They give you all the it. skills on that CCP account or do you have to train it up like everyone else? Uh, so CCP we can keep our previous accounts now uh, because oh, CCP okay. employees are now allowed to play uh, publicly. So I, I I even said my character name earlier. Uh, yeah. It's it's not exactly a big secret. So I just have to basically we talk to internal affairs who kind of monitor us and we say, all right, this is the character that I want to have public. And so creates kind of a, a line so you can't have your public characters interacting with private CCP characters because you could out them. Uh, so you have to kind of keep that in mind when you're playing with people in the office, but it gives us a lot more flexibility too. So certainly nice. appreciate it. I have a super well, random question. How okay. did you choose Aurora or was it assigned? Uh, I actually spent about the, the two months as I was prepping to move over uh, just desperately panicking about the fact that I couldn't think of a name that was super clever. Um, CCP Nano. I, I want a Nano. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. I was CCP Convict. Like It's it's funny because he's Australian. Uh, CCP yeah. Dopamine totally works because of like the connection to social media. Like I didn't have anything like really, really funny. But on, on my way over, I was like, oh, I really look forward to seeing the Northern Lights, like the Aurora. And so I was like, you know what? That actually just sounds like a cool name. I'm gonna go with it. So I have yeah. no cool story behind it, but just, it just sounded it good. So, All right, yeah. it's good. But you do have a whole skin line named after you, so feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna mention the fact that that was created before I joined, but I'm totally gonna- Just claim it, go with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, nice. What would you guys, Casper, what would your CCP Nano. name be? Like, Nano. Really yeah. Nano. <laughs> or Boundary, ooh, no, no, Ten? Boundary. It's gotta be CCP Boundary. I'm taking that no. Oh. Man, I have no idea. I've never thought about that. Mm, me either. CCP yeah. beard? Is that a thing? <laughs> there's a there's a list we'd have to check it against. Okay. I see. It's well, like there's like a list we'll of all current anyway, and previous so. names. So there's never a like a repeat. Yeah, yeah. They have to yeah. be unique. Cool. cool. Well, do you guys have um, anything else? Uh, any other yeah, specifically for unlike, yeah. The rest of Thermo, like this guy on my screen, he's over here. Um, I don't live on the far side of the country or the continent, rather, and I am often on during time zones when you're around. So if you ever want to roam out of Thera, 
know. Okay, sounds good. Nice. Just all right. Just bear in mind the fact that I am perpetually space boy. So uh, if, if you're looking for a blingy room, then I'm not. No, 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 no. You only need a little bit of S to five Mac. <laughs> oh yeah, I can do a Mac. Right. Uh, really, I actually have been using one of Amelia's fits that's like all T2 and it's like 250 mil or something. It's, you know, yeah, for what you get out of it, it's pretty good. Thanks. Uh, chat, do you guys have any appropriate questions for Aurora before we move on? We'll give you like 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't give or, that or is there anything else that you want to touch on, uh, CCP Aurora, before we, we move into the informative portion of our podcast? Not that I can think of. If I, if I missed part of your questions, though, feel free to throw them at me. No, I think we I think we got everything covered. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just get into it. Yeah. So, so take it ten. Yeah. D scan. Um, I think we're going into this with the idea with that everyone you know knows how to open the D scan window. It's one of the scan probe options off the the right or left side of your your capacitor. Um, it shows up by default, spaced out really weirdly, as though there's like 15 columns in it, but actually there's only three. So you're going to rearrange that a little bit. Um, but what it does, it is essentially your ship's past line of sight sensors, stuff that isn't on your overview, isn't on grid with you. Um, obviously, stuff that isn't grid with you will register as well, but what it is really used for is seeing what's out there within the range at the bottom. Um, you can set it to kilometers or AU, depending, but usually people leave it in AU because that's what the probe scan window and everything else reads as. And uh, you can set it to follow whatever active overview filter you have or to set it to an assigned one, which I like to do because I like to swap to like my on my overview i'll swap to a planet's view and moons to descan them but i want to scan them for ships and things like that depending on what i'm doing particularly if you're trying to find people at off-grid athenors which is um, something that we sometimes try to do despite the almost inevitable failure <laughs> um, nice. I, my favorite way to use descan like is just the defensive aspect of as soon as like muscle memory, I set like a two to three AU uh, 360 degree D scan. As soon as I get a fight, just so I can see stuff warping in. Um, that's like my one my AU for the win. One AU. One AU. <laughs> Always one AU. Man. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. I think a little bit on how far you are from things. Like if you are four AU from the keep star that reinforcements are coming from. You need that's, it to be shorter than that so that you only catch things that have actually warped off the keep star and not just whatever's undocked there hanging out. Yeah. Um, the range is very easy to jump from, you know, 1, 5, 10, 14.3 has these hash marks that you can click on, or if you mouse wheel while you're moused over that little bar, it'll jump between them. Is there a hotkey um, for that, by the way, to go up and down in ranges? A real question. I don't know. Just thought about that right now. Uh, I'm aware of. I don't Maybe. think so. I, I think you I need to. So. I think you need to mouse over it to make it happen. Okay. 
Yeah, I think it's a mouse over only. And then similarly, if you mouse over the actual number and scroll up and down, it goes up and down by 0.1 per you know mouse wheel tick, unless you hold control, and then it goes by 1 AU per tick, um, which is quite useful if you're trying to narrow down how far someone is, like if you're hunting a rat or in a site or something. You want to step down and step down and step down and scan until you know how far away they are approximately so that you don't have to tight scan every site in system. So speaking of like jumping in a system and finding a router, will you like talk me through the process of how you'd actually, hey, I just jumped in the system. There's an Ishtar ratting. Hopefully it doesn't have stabs. So this is something but that's interesting talk because me through that process. when streaming started becoming big, um, I realized how differently everyone does this, which is, it's kind yeah. of odd because there are different ways to do it. Um, I I was always like a V or C clicker and, and like I used my camera to swing and then I would narrow my D scan into a cone to kind of see where people are. But I think I think it's almost better to do like just compare probe uh, results to the anomalies and then you use like the really quick D scan range at a 360 to eliminate where they are. Um, I don't know. How do you guys do it? I've done I, it both. I do, I do it, it both ways now. I do it differently depending on when I jump in. The first thing I look at is the probe window, and if there's four sites, I'll just V-click them all. If you hold V and click something, it descans towards it as though your camera pointed at it. We didn't cover that yet. At 15 um, degrees or something, yeah. Yeah, something you little. set your angle narrow and just V-click them and jump through them. If there's 30 sites, then the first thing I do is start stepping down through the ranges and try to get within two or three AU of the range. And then then you probably only have four or five sites to scan when yeah. you go to the narrower one. And I've always been add... on the other side of this, uh, where I usually don't step down the ranges, but I start to spin my camera and then I'll I'll selectively group, like I just sort of draw a mental quadrant in, in the system. Mm -hmm. So like this is quadrant one, two, three, four, and then I can do like a 30 degree scan at each quadrant. And then I can look for hits, and then you can narrow down to the likely targets and individually five degree them from there. So that tends to be the the way I go about this. Um, if if you're kind of in the middle and there's anomalies all around you, uh, sometimes I'll do like a uh, 180 degree scan towards sun away from sun, um, and then it just helps to to cut things down a little bit like that. But yeah, so I remember I was streaming once, and that's the method I was using. And I was streaming, and chat was like calling me bad at descanning because I got into one of those, like when you do that and you kind of like end up getting lost in space, you're just like spinning to a random, there's some green over there and you're descanning and there's nothing there. And you know, the, the Ishtar that was like behind you ends up warping off. But, yeah. Uh, yeah it's you can funny. see on your, your in-game map where your descan cone is if you're on the system map. So you can kind of see what you're hitting and what you're not hitting that way. And I've seen some people use that to try to you know, kind of compartmentalize which sets of things so that they don't have to feel like they're just like, I hope I turned back 180 degrees from where I was, but they actually get to the visual aid. But yeah. I, I don't know, I don't ever feel like I have screen space to have that map open. Yeah, um, people so. with ultra wides, like that's the biggest pro to an ultra wide for Eve, in my opinion, is to put the system map and like on the side, on the far <laughs> side, so that you're left with like a, a standard monitor for the rest, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. things I want, but won't get I have, it. I have trouble giving up that additional screen space for just like the luxury clicking room. For yeah, <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, um, I guess so.
The other thing that I run into a lot is, you know, you jump into a system and you descan and there's a mining fleet. And there's either no ore anomalies or you tight scan them real quick and there's nothing at them, which means the mining fleet's on an Athenor. And you can't just v-click Athenors in space because you have to like search around and find them and it takes mm -hmm. way longer than it takes them to warp back to their structure and tether. Um, so what I end up doing in that case is I'll do a wide scan and try to narrow down the range, of course. And ideally, you can get it so that there's only one or two Athenors within scanning range like that's showing at the same range as the fleet. And then from the overview window, you can hold C and click on the Athenor, and it'll point your camera towards it, and then set your, then short, tighten your uh, angle, and it'll scan right at that Athenor. Mm -hmm. If there are multiples, you then have to widen it back up to get the other one on D scan again, C click again, narrow it back down again, which is why finding fleets that are on Athenors, especially in systems with five or six or 10 Athenors, um, is very difficult. And I just want to point out, uh, we're going back to like super simple here, but um, I used to like do uh, classes in, when I was in Noir for Noir Academy people on DScan. And these are people that were super new to it, right? And the most common thing I found were people thought that you had to be aligned to the thing you were descanning. And we're talking about swinging our cameras around and it doesn't matter what your ship is doing at that point. It's strictly your camera. If you hold, I think it's alt, you'll see like a little square over your ship. And if you line that up with the celestial you're pointing to, that is like a, you know, like a zero degree angle. That's like perfect lined up. So the nose of your ship, the alignment of your ship, totally irrelevant to descan. Do you guys and, have like a best hunter in your group that you like if you actually want to catch something, do you have like somebody you know is best or respect that's actually the best? I don't know. Or I see you uh shaking your head. Jacostas you maybe? I don't know. Mm. We have a couple like decent interceptor pilots and like that, but no one no one who's like the stand at one, except maybe Omneria, actually. Well, in our group, it used to be Intego, but then he found girls and went AFK. <laughs> Rip, I think that's the number one taker from Eve is girls. Just, just saying. But uh, soldiers, actually, just talking in chat, he's really, really, really good at it too. And if you ever want like lessons, poke him. That guy can catch anything if it doesn't, if it isn't stabbed. Mm -hmm. How about you, Cispirora? Do you, do you guys have? I, I don't know if you want to talk about your group at all that you fly with, but. I think I think I need a little bit more experience. I know that there's some in that group uh, that are really good at it, mm -hmm. um, but I will admit uh, that I haven't fully remembered who those people are. So I know they exist. It's the people who show up in maledictions. Uh, they're super reliable. So, hey, yay for malediction pilots. Um, but one that I can remember that I want to give a shout out to you uh, was in Brave. There was a spy alt that we all knew about. Uh, who flew around with us for fun rooms with new players anyway. Uh, his, I, I guess I won't burn the spy, just in case people know who it is. But it was, uh, turns out it was Laura Secco from... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, HK. Nice. Yeah. And so uh, he he was fantastic because he always flew in a, a tackle frigate. And so we would have just like all these random random uh, kitchen sink room fleets that would go out for fun and he would just make kills happen uh, so 
we all we had to do is warp to him and and apply guns like it was super super simple super fun uh and it was all just because he's really good at, at landing that tackle so that's really yeah. nice to have when you have someone like that <laughs> it's a, like when i was in volta for a bit um when they were still in thera and quite often when they were hunting it would just like roll one nelsec hole hunters would go out while they're hunting the other nelsec static is getting rolled since there has three and those guys were also very good uh it was mainly sabers like hyperspatial sabers uh because they were cap hunting but also like very good at at uh at hunting and just being really quick and yeah it's a, it's an amazing skill like d scan that um pretty much applies to any any like skillful play style I'm trying to throw a little bit of shade at certain play styles that aren't <laughs> nicely, but uh, yeah, like it, it, it's a skill that will stay with you through your Eve career. Um, ESSs are another great one. Obviously, a lot of the elaborate ESS traps are difficult to to descan um, because they use recons or or cloaking ships way outside, more prevalent before the change, but still recons. Um, and then I don't know what else is there for descan like. What do you guys think? I, I would say the V, the V or C clicking. Um, yeah. It like a it's lot something of something that takes getting used to. Yeah, it's not as reactive as it should be. Like you click, and sometimes it'll move, and sometimes you're like spam clicking V, like ah, and then finally it like your camera jolts over. So you realize your fingers are one place over on like Z and C doing nothing, and you feel mm -hmm. like an idiot. Oh, I've been there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've. I guess I don't know if this is more of like a, a really wormholer thing, but uh, rebinding it to spacebar, like you can't miss oh, the spacebar. Yeah, that's, how a, do you that's do a really popular one. How do you stop your ship if you rebind space? Control space still works. It still works. Yeah. All right, today you I'm just like, have to hold yeah. control. Otherwise, you're gonna like yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair. Okay. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about probing a little bit. Do you like scepters more, or like a hyperspatial heretic with probes? to do the same thing, but also have the option to drop probes. Like, what, what do you guys prefer? Generally, I prefer, like, for, our, for what we do, our, like, you know, five-ish, seven-man, you know, going out of Thera Hole, wandering around Null, going to a staging or whatever, I prefer an interceptor, because having the, the point and scram and the speed and survivability that an interceptor has over an interdictor is really nice. Um, and we're very rarely gunning for caps, so the bubble ability is not, you know, it's it's yeah. something that you're essentially paying for in terms of your ship stats, but not really using. Or you can use it to defensively bubble and things like that, but that's a different a different thing than the hunting. That's that's what I had in mind in terms of defensively bubbling. Like if you if you manage to warp in on something, and you know that you're in a system with a really reactive standing fleet that is a bit spooky. Um, there's the potential that you can have that that heretic kind of like as your fleet comes in and get grabs secondary, they burn off towards you know the keep starring system and throw up a bubble so that any defenders warping in don't land on top of you. It allows you to finish off that target and keep moving, but. I suppose that's that's the sort of thing that a, a really a really well coordinated group can do, uh, and I'm not sure I've uh, I, I get that experience all that all that often. But well, even just one single Dictor pilot, like ten flies that flycatcher, for example. Um, if and that's an example where if you're a skilled D scanner, you like you can just land on grid, know where they're likely warping in from because you see their fleet on D scan, and just fly towards that and drop a bubble, or fly away from it and drop a bubble. Either works. 
Um, but like, you know, that's the thing I love about small gang is, is uh, you don't have to like necessarily have an FC like, or, or someone or a scout or something like say that you can just have people know because you have the luxury of being in a small gang. So somebody can just do that. And that's one of my favorite things, things about small gang. And it's, it's, it's an example where D scan being really good at D scan will just, you know, help you secure fights. But to answer when your question, Casper, I'm also this on the same page as 10. Like we don't, we like, we sometimes fly try hard ships, but we don't all multi box a ton. And I feel like when you have a ship, that's like a super dedicated hunting ship, like a like a Scanny uh, Dictor or or something like that. Um, that really does is is like probe and bubble things. Yeah. Oh, so, if that's solo box, yeah, that makes sense because yeah. that, that's the one very specific job. Uh, it makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I usually think of Dictors in terms of our gangs as a like an add-on like kind of in the same category as an electronic assault frigate where like once we have a decent interceptor pilot and we have a, an amount of DPS that is effective for what we're doing, then you start adding in you sort of utility things like that, like maybe a Dictor for the defensive bubbles or maybe a, you know, a Sentinel or a carries or something for some E-War. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't have the other things first, you're really going to feel it. You guys have anything else to mention on on D scan before we uh, move on? Uh, no? Just a, just when it comes to D scan, something to keep in mind is your overview settings. So you can your overview settings have an impact on the D scan window. Um, so whatever your active overview uh, is that's showing is generally what will apply. So if you look at D scan, it'll say current. It can it can be a really useful tool uh, if you if you have a really good understanding of of what you're looking for and how to use that. I don't know if you guys have a do you have any specific use cases for that that you? Yeah, I think like sometimes there's tons of stuff. And when I mentioned earlier when a fight starts, um, and if if like D scan is just bloated with things, I'll have a overview preset for ships only, and I'll like keep my my overview preset on my main PVP one, but I'll change my D scan preset by itself to ships only. Um, so that's an example. Uh, another good thing about D scan that we didn't mention is that combat probes show up on D scan. So that's something you really want to watch for, if, especially if you're small gang and you get blobbed because when you escape so the blob, they get really angry and they bring combat probes uh, and you have to bounce for 15 minutes. So you can set like a five AU, depending on, the, on your ship size, uh, you can set like a five AUD scan, and once you start seeing more than like a couple probes on D, you should think about moving safe spots. Maybe in chat, uh, Stitch one five six has a good uh, good shout. Uh, you can use D scan to confirm a pos has an active force field up, so you don't YOLO into like a Death Star because someone side obeying. So you see like mm -hmm. Sinos in the local, and you're like, oh, let's go kill a free Sino. Well, you show up, and you just get completely owned by a bait trap. So you yeah, and you that that is that. a good tip. <laughs> And you can uh, V-click Sinos, right, on the overview, mm -hmm. right? So narrow your down to five degree max range towards the Sino, scan it before you warp to it, boom. Yeah, I like to have force fields on. I usually leave my D-scan window on a, a scanning preset almost all the time, and I have force fields on there so that if you're, you're like, oh, I just jumped in here and like there's a rattlesnake in here, I'm going to get it. But you're like, oh, no, it's sitting in a pause shield. Yeah. You know, before you get too far into the like, doing which everyone side is it and I'm going go. like ah, Wait. 
you know, you see, oh, there's a force field. Check that first. <laughs> yeah. Calgod mentioned you don't have to have force field up to have POS guns active. Is that true? That is yes, true. It is, it is true. It's a common. It is. Yeah. 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 If I if you descan a Sino and there are POS guns, just move Keep on. Moving. I don't Keep know these things because I'm an honorable PvP or only. I only kill people in Eve honorably. Only so, in a fair um, fight, even pod, same isk and ship. Mm -hmm. You got Hebrew. it. Better than me. You got it. <laughs> All right. So we had this pretty interesting listener question um, from someone who is in a group that a lot of people know that has a lot of people joining it and they learn about a lot of different things in Eve and they want to teach them about small gang. Um, so I'll just kind of read it out. And then, uh, I told this person, instead of me answering it, we're going to ask it, answer it on air because it's, it's a lot more fun that way. Um, so he's he comes to his group with the intention of trying to build a small gang kind of nano group from the ground up. So right now it's kind of non-existence. I understand the basics and, and the fits and, and all that, but they're struggling to come up with a way that they can in introduce it to newbies without kind of cheesing them into it. Um, and they understand it won't be an easy task, and, and it won't. Um, but they just want some kind of suggestions for ships and concepts and ways they can do this. So I haven't played with newer people, with the exception of Reich, who learned through osmosis of being around all the good small gangers in Thermo. So, I mean, that's not an option because there's not many people there already that do it. So what do you guys think? What would you do? It's a... Uh... Having having come from like Alliance tournament experience, I would probably suggest, it's, especially for Eve Uni, it makes a lot of sense uh, to run classes on Singularity, where you basically have uh, simulated coding experiences, where you you know you have a little fake defense fleet, and you your job is to you know you need to you need to spiral in and land tackle on this thing like that's that's your job here, or you need to you need to get to a range where you can apply DPS and you're not getting shot, you know, just all of these different experiences you can simulate pretty well. Um, is as in my last tournament time, I usually would start practice with a, uh, a drill that I would come up with. And so we had a bunch that were kind of like this. Uh, we had, and these are a bit more tournament focused, but we had things like screening drills, um, Maybe I, you know, I didn't invent the screening drill. This is a thing before I started, of course, but you would have, you know, a ship 50 kilometers out and then you have a, a slow target to tackle. And then you'd have your ship like with that target that it's supposed to defend. And as this uh, tackle ship comes in and it's dive bombing to get tackle, like your job is to stop it. So how do you effectively screen? And, you know, are you able to do that with a heated, a heated scram web and you're able to do it without getting scrammed yourself, like bonus points? You can kind of you can kind of approach things like that and build out a class to show people the basics, and then I would probably finish it up with a with a hands-on room in cheap ships. So you have to you have to keep it cheap and affordable, which is a tricky thing uh, for for a lot of these new players. But it's mm -hmm. I've never I've never been rich enough to have the the blingy small gang experience very often. Something I'd like to point out is just we take it for granted playing for this many years is what every ship actually can do. Like, we see our Ferex on grid, we kind of have a very good idea of what it can do. I mean, if you don't have the game knowledge to know that, you know, it probably just takes time, but actually, like, maybe even go on Z-Kill, check out a ship, check out its fit, 
and Calgod in chat said something that I was going to mention before I even said it. Check out every ship that you could encounter, kind of sphere of influence, if I could put that. You know, a rapier, yeah. we know not to go within 50k of it. We just, it's, this is what you don't do. And so learn, like, the game knowledge of getting, um, you know, every ship's you know, sphere of influence. If you're doing, like, a 1v1 in a comet versus, you know, a daredevil. If it's a blaster daredevil, you know not to get within web range. But a comet, if it's blasters, you know, all right, well, if it go, if you force him to switch to null, maybe I can actually win this. You know, you there, every ship has little nuances. And as soon as you learn those things, the game gets a lot easier. And then secondly, just zooming out. It's really, really easy as a new player and even experienced players. I see them do this all the time. You get so zoomed in on a certain thing that you don't see what's going on around you. And just remember to, you know, take a, you know, hypothetical breath, zoom out, kind of see what's going on around the grid, and go from there. And just if you learn some game knowledge and like ship's sphere of influences, you you're better off than most of the people around you. Yeah, and actually to kind of <laughs> to um, build off of what Gasper was just saying. As someone who's trying to lead that fleet and coach it, I think it's it's really helpful to put yourself in, you know, not not a ship that is absolutely integral to like tackle or something. Don't be the interceptor pilot, even though you need an interceptor pilot, because if you can zoom out and call people out and say, "Hey, you're drifting off in the opposite direction from the rest of us," you know, just and just do that kind of management, um, even in a gang with more experience. Like you know, sometimes on our thermo rooms, someone will start doing that because they're in a, you know, they're in a Cerberus or they're in a Macarial or they're in something that doesn't need to be super high APM and like right in the fight. They can look at things. And they can say, hey, you know, everyone turn down. Everyone turn towards the sun. Everyone turn, you know, and sort of provide a, a general direction because even though we're all flying our own ships, it's useful to have you know, to all be flying them in the same the same direction and flying them in a somewhat coordinated manner, even though we're not anchoring and we're not target calling per se, someone who's watching the situation and feeding that information into our ears is really helpful. So as the sort of more experienced leader of one of those fleets, I think that's one of the, the more helpful things you can do. Even if it results in like someone inexperienced is flying your tackle ships and they lose tackle sometimes, you'll have more opportunities for them to try to tackle if you have someone guiding the fleet as a whole into not splintering apart and all dying. Mm -hmm. I think part of it too is like, sorry, I don't know if I'm going to repeat anything or since I had to run upstairs really quickly, but uh, like, I think people can get caught up with newer players on teaching. And like going like this is what this ship ship does. This is what this ship does. Oh, don't do that that way. Do that this way. And it's just like an information overload. And they forget that like the key to getting someone into small gang isn't so much giving them lots of information. It's going to be uh, putting them in an environment where that they enjoy being in, where they have fun, right? So it's a very challenging thing because it's difficult to have fun in small gang when you don't know the things you need to know. Um, right. And even just like starting from the get-go, if you're with a group that doesn't want it, you're gonna, I think you're gonna have difficulties. So I would definitely put a lot of emphasis into making sure they have fun and whether, I mean, in the, right in the question they say without cheesing them. So it kind of depends on your definition of cheesing them. 
is contacting another similar group who maybe isn't like isn't gonna just come at you with you know bling blinged out snake ships and be like hey can you guys fight us like is that cheesing because i don't really think it is if you were like hey i've got all these new players will you guys fight us i've done that before and i give people good fights like you know i don't i'm not going to roll out in the blingiest thing and like know what they're in ahead of time and bring something that counters it or whatever i'll just be like yo i'm going to fly a, a, a you know 300 mil cruiser or something like that do what you can um i think that's a good way to do it um, and, and just like layering those kind of fun experiences with learning. Um, after action reports are, are awesome. Um, picking someone saying like, hey, you know, 10, uh, you're going to write an after action report about this, this fleet. So make sure you take notes or something like that, right? Um, I like when I learned PvP, I was in Noir, which was like a mercenary corp, and we did AARs for everything and they were so they're exciting to read even if you weren't there you could learn from reading it so I'd say that kind of encouraging love to read their name too like if you do something yes. good and somebody else shouts your name mm -hmm. out I mean oh yeah we're all nerds so but we're sitting there like oh dude he said my name I did something sick fuck yeah let's do it again right. yeah. it's really cool yeah I think we had a an interesting conversation about some of this stuff um with Jocastus two episodes three episodes ago um, yeah. we were talking about leading in small gang as a as a topic and one of the things that he mentioned that I really thought was important was that setting setting expectations for people is especially important to what you're saying about making sure people have fun. Because if they just come and you're just yelling information at them the whole time, they're going to feel like they don't know what's going on the whole time. And it's not going to be like, that's not going to be an experience that they're going to be like, yeah, let's do that again right now. Like, let's get, just go get another ship. So you have to, you know, think about how you're communicating and, you know, make sure that people who are coming on these, you know, if you're trying to build a small gang group, they need to know that it's a new small gang group and there's a pretty good chance that they'll die or there isn't. Or, you know, like, what is your goal? Um, because that, I think, is what makes things really fun in EVE is whether or not you succeed at whatever you set out to do. And if that's yeah. flying until we die and maybe getting some kills along the way, you're going to have a different experience than if you're thinking... I'm gonna go learn to be a ninja assassin, you know, in a spaceship. A ninja assassin. <laughs> who never, you know, who never gets caught and like just flies around people and and all that. Um. So. That communication is important, and the AAR really helps with that, I think, because it. You know, and it can be someone writing it up in Thermo when we do it. It's usually just a Discord conversation. We just say, hey, like. What was that like for you? How did you, you know, what did you see? What did you, what did you think? And we kind of talk through it, but no one writes up a, you know, like a forum post about it or something. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe if you're with a, a newer group who doesn't all feel like they can converse in that way about it, someone writing up a, a readable piece on it is useful to them because maybe it's something will get pointed out that they learn. Uh, CCP Aurora, when you were coming up like through Brave, what what were some things that really helped you out as you were like either relearning or trying to learn how to small gang there? Well, so those those random rooms that we would take out, uh, you kind of there's a lot of room for just kind of doing your own thing. Like there wasn't there wasn't an FC calling out orders exactly. Uh, there might have been general orders, you know, get to your optimal range. Yeah. Someone setting a desto, that kind but, of stuff. 
this, the stuff that was particularly helpful uh, was at the start of the fleet, um, you would have your FC talking to everyone, and this is just kind of a standard when you have a lot of new players in fleet, is they would go over all of the basics of how that fleet is intended to work. So, you know, our engagement range is this. In this situation, we want to be using this ammo. Uh, a lot of the times it's like, you want to anchor on me, of course, but, you know, this is this is very Nelsucky stuff that I'm saying here. But it, at the same time, what what's happening as that as they go through that, as you begin to learn, you build you build an engagement profile for the ships that you're in, and then as you come up against enemies, you start to build a mental engagement profile for the ships that they're in, and that that map of what ships can do where, which you touched on earlier, that knowledge, is super critical, because if you want to if you want to start making your own decisions, which is what small games kind of about. Um, you have to make your own decisions on on the battlefield. You have to know when to move in, when to move out, what ranges to stay at, what ships. All of that requires really heavy uh, knowledge base, and so it's just a lot of work to build that. Um, and even even those Nullsec F1 fleets can have some value in teaching you slowly what what can do what and how it how it does it, how these things are often fit, because it's just coming from experience. Um, there's there's some things that they're not going to learn, obviously, in those F1 fleets. But in terms of building those those general engagement ranges and getting knowledge for to move on, I think that's that's definitely happening. Um, then at the end of the fleet, there's the AAR, so that's always helpful. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, the the very best FCs, the ones that people always really liked, they were just talking. So they're just always talking through the whole fleet, and they just have this very casual conversation, like. This is the current situation. This is what I'm thinking. This is what they can do. This is what we can do. You need to stay away from that because of this. And it's just like this constant steady friendly flow of information that the players can absorb. And then they begin to internalize to the point where what I've always said for people who just want to start FCing is think of your favorite FC and copy them to the best of your ability uh, because it just helps you to, to start doing things decently well. Yeah. yeah, and learning fleet communication, especially in small gang, is a whole nother skill set. Like, what do I, what do I occupy comms time saying? You know, that's going to conflict with someone else trying to talk or whatever. Like, how to prioritize that? We did a really cool episode. It was one of my favorite ones. Very unique. It was really early on, where we took the comms from a, a video that Joe Cassis did, and we clipped it all and and dissected the fight, like the communication in the fight on a podcast episode. Blood and I did it. It was super, super cool. Um, so if you are interested, look way back. There's one on communication. And you can listen to it, because it, it kind of covers this stuff. And like, what do you say? Why are you saying it? How it's like a lot of it's abbreviated, and how you say a lot in very few words. So yeah. um, it's it's a very interesting, like, ever-changing aspect of small game that I enjoy. But it's a, we, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a really big topic in the, the arena too for tournaments absolutely you know those those team comms are super critical and it's uh it was actually something that we learned in my my first year uh, as, when i was alliance tournament ca uh captain we wound up you know trying to constantly improve communication with a new team is a tricky thing uh, and there was one point where we wound up taking the comms from a team that was much more experienced than us and we basically studied them uh very much, yeah, very much I as like you're that. talking. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. But let's um one more real quick, Farrell. Yep. Um, one more quick tip that I find really useful um, for people who are not experienced at maintaining their grid awareness. Have whoever's in charge use the tag function to throw a letter on Hugens, curses, and you know, ships that you really need to be aware of your distance from, like that are kind of all or nothing. You're gonna get scrammed and die, you're gonna get neutered and die. Mm-hmm. And then also pick one ship in your fleet and tag them and have just tell everyone, like, just be aware of where you are in reference to this guy. We tag our logies yeah. every time. Like if it's a solo yeah, your logie, logie, always tagged Y. Mm-hmm. Or you or know, some experienced ship. pilot or your slowest ship, or something like that, so that everyone else moves themselves in relation to that ship and it creates a a lot of cohesion without a lot of extra communication. Hundred percent. But we should also look into answering another part of the question, which maybe you guys did when I ran upstairs really quickly. So I apologize if that's the case. But um what kind of ships? Like what would you tell your your people to bring? So I would say um you know we're gonna talk about budget ships but I, I don't think going budget tackle is a good idea. And I, when I say budget, I mean like sub 10 mil. So uh, it's my opinion that interceptors, you can't replace that role with another ship uh, without oh, spending a shitload of risk. Yeah. And it's, it's because they're so survivable, you have to play aggressive in an interceptor. It rewards aggressive play. Um, and you need the SIG reduction and you need the tackle range. It is critical to flying well. So if it's like Buddy's first time out, okay, fine. But just know that their goal should be to get an interceptor. And if they if they don't know what they want to do, like probably flying tackle isn't the best bet. I would put that person, that role, fill it by someone with a little more experience. Um, how about cruisers? What do you guys think? Like Jack Dawes, Stabbers. Omen Navies. Stabbers can rank. The missile shield one. Crap, what they're called. Osprey Navy. <laughs> I, I um, love the Austrian Navy. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, when when I'm thinking about this sort of thing, I, I often think back to Brave, and there's kind of this situation of, especially when you're learning and super new, Osprey Navy is, like, really expensive because you're, you're, at, the, you're at the level of learning that you're going to lose 10 of these things. Mm-hmm. And as, as a more experienced player, sometimes you can lose the perspective of just how much that ship means. Uh, in terms of whatever their ISK income is. So I think the ISK income of your of your crew is something to consider. Yeah, that something makes to ask really them about tricky. even. Yeah, because if if they can afford to drop a caracal, or like a, a couple Osprey navies every day or something, or a couple Omen navies, that would be great um, because those ships have a lot of potential and they can learn a fair bit in them. But what do you think about even even cheaper options? So Miracle. forget Actually. forget navy, stabbers, yeah. nano caracals. caracals. I'm thinking missiles just because you don't have to worry about any of your transversal, anything like that. Yeah. As long as you're in range, you're getting hit. I think um, the caracal is probably going to be the most effective. Um, I think one of the most like anyway. the most fun per isk super cheap fits is just a cheap blaster thorax. You need ten of them. Love that, ship. but. People will go out in them as long as you correctly give them the expectation that they're going to die because they are. Mm-hmm. But you can go smash into something and cause chaos, and it's fun. Yep. And that's what you 
you know, that's one of the things like we're saying, you want that. Yep. I think that at that cheap point, cruiser, T1 cruisers are the way to go. And E-War frigs yep. are good too. And everyone defaults like, oh, when you have new players, just put them in E-War frigs. Like, sure, I get it. But what if you're only six people? Like, do you want to put two of your brand new players? <laughs> no, I want somebody shooting somebody other like, than a TV. You know, like, so so that's because to me that's that's like, and it's and somebody in chat mentions if you're t talking elite nano gang, you can't be new players, and that's that's like true. But you can take the same mentality, and as long as you're learning a lesson, like who cares if you feed? Like, as long as you're getting better and improving. Um, does not matter. Let's be honest. You learn by quit looking at your stupid stuff. Yeah, I know that's a common misconception that like when I when I started small gang a lot more and started meeting people who like I used to like look up to before I you know well I still look up to them whatever still respect them but but like you know the big names you realize that Eve players that small gang a lot they really don't care about what their killboard looks like. It's this very skewed misconception that small gangers like get off on their killboards and it's just not true when you get in when you start talking with people and getting into groups to getting in fights with them they they get upset when they make mistakes and lose their ships and some of them get upset when you know other the the eve players react to them in like ways that eve players react to them which is like blob them some people do but not killboards <laughs> so yeah. like i'd say if you can move off like a little more expensive than t than cruisers um small gang in in like arty wolves because you can get an arty wolf fit for like 45 50 mil right like the the cheap fits yeah. it's not and, too far off the character yeah, yeah. Like roaming in those you will learn so much you will likely feed but you're going to learn so much because yeah. they teach you transversal uh they teach you like when to turn on things because 100 the way you get kills in arty wolves is string things out and then coordinated like turning into things and when you can trade volumes. EHP correctly and just yeah yeah exactly and it like arty wolves like just cheap arty wolves is some of the most fun i've ever had like i've been with Zalorb and arty wolves and we killed like fought a kiki and a harpy in two arty wolves and like that engagement took so long to kill that harpy or the uh the, the kiki but it was so fun because every time we turned on them our our hp bars just like got decimated uh, and you'd have to like you know <laughs> But you learned so much for that one kill. So was yeah. it. So I don't know. That's and masters are the same. And the and the crusader fits that you kind of see people doing now. Um, same mentality. It teaches you a lot and they're cheap. So as as a something I was just kind of thinking about here is if you were to push it even cheaper, like the cheapest you could possibly go for this sort of thing. Like my my first my first nano fleet sort of sort of thing i'm thinking actually uh, like nano tristans or kestrels yes. yes. that's that sort of thing would totally work because it gives you that kind of experience and because of the ranges involved you actually have to like fight a bit closer to grid than than the cruisers do in some cases yeah uh, and it would actually be great and if you if you lose your ship you're not worried about the cost what are you out three or five mil like no big deal mm -hmm. yeah I think the drones are the most expensive part of the of the Tristan. So, if if you're looking for like a super cheap, like I just have a bunch of new players and I want to teach them this small game now, Tristans. Yeah, I think not a bad starting place. Mm -hmm. um, we should probably start wrapping up here. Um, yep. 
if people have other listener questions, we're often like, hmm, we need a little more topic to fill an episode. So shoot us your questions. Mm -hmm. um, DM me, DM Farrell, uh, DM Casper if he doesn't have his Discord notifications turned off all night. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're happy to answer. And if, you know, you want to know more about a subject we've already talked about or you want some specific, like a specific wolf fit, hit us up. We're happy to talk. Absolutely. So let's get into shout outs then. Uh, I'll go first. I'm going to shout out, uh, I'm, I apologize. I don't know how to spell your name, but I saw you in, in chat, or sorry, pronounce your name, but like propane or propane. Uh, he wrote this super cool Discord bot, which makes me feel really secure about myself seeing that I'm a small ganger because it analyzes <laughs> the kill board that I just said that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter and at all. It, it tells you in your last 1,000 kills how many people were on the kills you got, which is the only killboard stat that matters to me personally is how many, like, is to have minimal friends on your kill mails. Um, so yeah, shout out to him. Uh, if you, if you want to send some isk his way, spend a bunch of time doing it and it's, uh, you can find it in less than 10 discord and other discords have now had it too. It's in the, there's a channel about, uh, about, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a channel for it. Right, rating yourself. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to him. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. It is entertaining. Um, I'm going to shout out. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of people, but uh, specifically Mayron often comes up with interesting fits and shares them in less than 10 and wants to have like a civil conversation about the merits of it and how you can improve it or, you know, what um, they have tried. And all the people who do that in our Discord, I really appreciate it. Who aren't just like memeing about things, but who actually want to have conversations. You mean people you don't have to mod, just, just saying. I, I do mean that, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'll take the next one. Um, so there's a new player that I just recently uh, was introduced to. His name, his in-game name is Large Quave Zero. Pretty good name. Um, he's been roaming around, and we caught him on something he calls Monday Moros Madness. Every Monday, he like grabs a Moros and just like gates around and gets a fight going. And our little gang grabbed like three Logies and went out and just had a blast, like, you know, like six way in this whole area. So this guy's just like roaming around trying to find solo content and just creating content for Eve. So, like, if you can find him every Monday, he's doing a morals, just feeding it. His name's Large Quave Zero. The guy has just like the most genuine voice ever, and just is super cool. So I was a little bit enthralled. Tossed him some isk. He got like four morals given to him. So he's going to be doing this for the next couple couple weeks, and just is out there creating content for Eve. So huge shout out to to you, dude. Keep it up. Awesome. And uh, do you have a yes. shout out, uh, CSP Aurora? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I'd like to shout out. I'm not. I'm not sure what his CCP dev name is. Uh, uh, his name he goes by Maz. Uh, he's the he's the guy that you usually see if you watch any of the Eve Pulse videos. Um, he does most of those. Uh, he's been super active in learning the the game, and we have channels in internally in CCP where we just kind of we talk about all our exploits when we play. Uh, so it's just kind of a cool place where we explore. And he's uh, somewhat new to CCP, somewhat new to EVE. And he's just dove into it full blast. And 
today he managed to get his first ever PvP kill. Nice. Uh, he was awesome. he was he was in a wormhole. Uh, he's very he's very solo focused. Um, he's in a, a wormhole, and uh, some some people jumped him. He managed to kill an Astero and bail out. So big props to him uh, for for that for that big milestone. Very nice. All right. Well, that's the episode, guys. Uh, it was super, super fun. I'm enjoying this Twitch thing. It's pretty cool. I hope you guys are too. Uh, we're still going to edit the audio and, and shoot it out there for you guys. Uh, and I changed the name of my personal Twitch to Less Than 10 Live. So this is where you can find the episode every week. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's every, it. Every two, every two weeks. Yeah, every, every two weeks or so. Uh, <laughs> We're going to do better at like scheduling stuff and letting you guys know because now it actually matters so that people can know that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're going live. So, yeah, watch for that. All right, guys, that's the show. And just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.